make mention as we think about life and how we are in this world and how God blesses us. But David was a man of sorrow. David had many afflictions in life, family, and his kingship and his life in general. Very much sorrow both for his sin, for the sake of the kingdom, and for the sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ who was yet to come, but by the Holy Spirit he was inspired to see and understand and write of the coming Savior who he knew was the Son of God eternal and who Solomon knew was the Son of God eternal. In review, and that is our hope, that is our, our all we have is, is in Christ. I don't care what we think we do or what we think happens or what we think of the church and, and the ministry and, 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 and all. And I say that to make the point, we know it all by Christ. It's all from Christ. It's all for the glory of Christ. Everything we have is in Christ. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights and they're all in Christ. Everything we have good is in Jesus Christ, period. From the food we are blessed to eat, the rain that we're blessed to have fall upon the land, to spiritual blessings, everything, our families and all, are in Christ. Preserved in Christ. And we persevere, I'm going to use that word, in Christ. Because He carries us. Because He loves us. The 72nd Psalm in review was talking about the Lord Christ and His church. We found... In the first verse, give the king thy judgments, O God. David is praying that the Father, O God, would give the king of glory, the eternal Son of God, the living Word of God, his judgments for which he came into the world to fulfill. That's the work he came to do, the Father gave him, to save his people from their sins and to establish his church here in the world. And there's a comma, and it says, In thy righteousness unto the king's son. The king's son, of course, is, this is so vitally important in all the Bible, the king's son is the man, Jesus Christ, who was the son of David. Matthew 1, the son of David. Christ was the son of David. That's so important. A man in the flesh that God hath his servant, his elect, whom He ordained would come into this world and suffer, bleed, and die. And David is basically praying for the finished work of Christ, that God would bless him, that he'd have the judgments of God, to do the will of God. And all that it entails, that we could not begin to touch if we preached on that for the rest of time and the fullness of it. And it's in the man Jesus Christ. He said, Thus judge thy people with righteousness. That's the judgment of God. That's the will of God. Judge thy people. He's not talking about the wicked. We went to Isaiah 11 last week and talked about how He judges us in righteousness. He saves us in the righteousness of God because that was God's will. That was God's purpose. God does not want... People say, God wants you to do this. God, Let me tell you, God does not want anything. God works His way in heaven and earth. He does not change. It does not alter. It's His eternal purpose, which was purposed in Christ Jesus before the world was. He judges His people in the righteous judgment of God. 
and thy poor with judgment. We made mention of how the poor and how there are so many poor in the world, especially at the time the Lord Christ was born into the world. There were many that were poor while the religious elite among the Jews. There's a reason Paul said he profited in the Jews' religion. The religion of that day, much like much of the religion of this day, is about a dollar bill or a piece of gold and for the riches of the ministry. And those that were in control at that time, God's people were poor in that day. A lot of God's people are poor in this day. We're blessed beyond measure in this nation. My freezer's full. My refrigerator's full. We've got rain upon the ground. We've got freedom to worship the Lord in the way the Scripture ordains without the interference of man. We're blessed beyond measure in this country. We ought to be thanking God for it and worshiping Him because of that, because of His love, because the Lord Jesus Christ came to this world, suffered, bled, and died, for us and everything we have is in his gift and sacrifice he shall judge the poor with judgment and we saw the judgment of those who were poor mentioned in Matthew 5 blessed are the poor in spirit for they shall inherit the earth poor those that realize that they have no help they cannot help themselves there's not a man There's not an angel, there's not a doctor, there's not a lawyer that could help us spiritually. There's not a counselor, a psychiatrist. We cannot help ourselves. We are morally bankrupt with nothing to offer and unable to save ourselves. Much less know God. Much less walk with God. But He, He came to us. He saved us. He gave us of His Spirit an unction, an anointing. He causes us to know the Lord Christ when He writes His law upon our inward parts. The judgment of God and Him leading us and carrying us. The judgment of God and Him comforting us when we sorrow, when we've lost a loved one. When we've lost... You know, you expect by nature to lose those older than you. So many have lost a child. And we cannot get any comfort from that from anyone but Christ. The day we buried our twins over there, Daddy and me and Ben and Rachel, that's something you don't expect to see. We sang that song earlier, Tempted and Tried. It makes mention of when death has come and taken our loved ones. I remember right after my brother in Christ, Mike Samples, died. I was at Beulah Church that following Sunday and his mother called that song out. And I remember reading those words in verse 2, when death has come and taken our loved ones. But she had comfort in Christ. She had comfort of her son in Christ. That's in Christ. That's where God leads us in judgment. That's where God carries us. Where God blesses those that are poor. Those that realize they have no hope without Christ. They have no peace without Christ. And because they do have hope in Christ. And they do have peace in Christ. In the knowledge of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. This text is about the Lord and His church. And the preaching of the Gospel. We'll cover that as we get through the last of this. But understand the peace that comes from that. And the knowledge the Holy Spirit gives to us through the preaching of the Gospel. The judgment of God. And all Israel shall be saved. In the Lord. 
That's not all physical Israel. That's all the spiritual. All the elect of God will be saved in the Lord. If they love God, they'll be with God because God loved them first. They cannot love someone they don't know. Our nature is against God. We can't know God. So God reveals Himself to us in Christ. The mountains, 52.7 of Isaiah, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of those that preach the Gospel, that publish unto Zion the church, thy God reigneth. The mountains shall bring peace to the people. The church brings peace to the people. It's called Jerusalem. David took the stronghold of Jerusalem, of Zion, the city of God. Jerusalem means the foundation of God's peace. The church here in this world preaches the foundation of God's peace. Back to Isaiah 52, 7, that declare unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ, for He is God in the flesh. God became flesh. He didn't become flesh. I don't like that. Why do I say it? He was made flesh. The living Word of God, the eternal Son, was made flesh and dwelt among us. He was not, for the first time, the one who is the eternal Son of God, the living Word of God. I make this point with that to clarify He's eternal. He was not yet made incarnate, born of a woman, yet David knew Him. Yet Solomon knew Him. The prophets of old knew Him. He sat in the door of the tent with Abraham. He walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. He was there when the world was created. God said, let us make man in our image. This living Word of God was made flesh. And He said, upon this rock of revelation... Will I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it? We stand in the judgment of God. We stand in the reign of God, the rule of God in our heart and the knowledge of Jesus Christ His Son. He shall judge. The mountains shall bring peace to the people. The little hills by righteousness. The mountains of the Mount Zion made mention in Revelation 14. And a lamb stood upon the Mount Zion. That's the kingdom of God. Here in this world, the mountains shall bring peace to the people. We have in the church peace as we worship God. And the little hills, the hills of Zion, little Beulah, Bethel spots, the little churches all over the land by righteousness, by the righteousness of God in Christ. He shall judge the poor of the people, those poor in spirit, those who look for Him, those who love Him, poor, knowing they have nothing of themselves, He shall save the children of the needy, our prosperity, our children, spiritually speaking, of the needy. We're all needy. Every child of God is needy. He goes on to say that as we are needy, then therefore because our children came from us, they are also in need of Christ. He is our only help. He's our only salvation. He is our only Redeemer. He shall judge the poor of the people. He shall save the children of the needy and shall break in pieces the oppressor. I love that. He shall break in pieces He who tempts you, who leads your mind astray, He who afflicts you, He who hates you, He who seeks to devour you, he who destroys families. 
He who destroys churches, he who destroys nations and the governments of men, Satan, the adversary of God, God who is Christ, Christ who is God. Don't tell me Christ does not judge. He shall judge the quick and the dead. Well, the Lord just wants to love you and help you. He loves and helps His people. He shall break the oppressor in pieces. He breaks him daily as He saves His people. Daily, temporally, from things seen and unseen in this world, from things we know about and things we do not know about in this world of darkness and time where the prince of the power of the air reigneth in the earth. He breaks him in pieces and delivers us on the last day and the day of judgment. He will certainly break him forever for he will be cast into the everlasting lake of fire. The oppressor, the devil. But he's broken the oppressor. He quickens his people as it pleases him by his spirit. He gives them life. He calls them. He gives them knowledge of the Son, Jesus Christ. We are so blessed. Let me say this. If a man has never heard the gospel preached in some foreign country of darkness where Christianity is not allowed, God still touches his people in their heart and they still know Christ. And they will stand with him in heaven in immortal glory. But make no doubt about how blessed we are to live in a land in which the gospel is preached in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and to have the depths of the gospel. Remember going through the 23rd Psalm, the deep still waters, the deep knowledge of God revealed unto us by His Spirit in the preaching of the gospel. He breaks in pieces the oppressor. They shall fear thee, God, as long as the sun and moon endureth. When I say God, I mean Christ. As long as the sun and moon endure throughout all generations, as long as time exists, they shall fear thee. What does that teach us? That teaches us that as long as the sun and the moon endure until the time the Lord Jesus Christ returns as the Son of Man in the fullness of His glory, until that point in time, into that time in eternity when the world is no more, there will always be a church somewhere in this world to bear witness unto Christ. To preach thy God reigneth. To preach the sovereignty of God. To preach repent ye for the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, both the same, or at hand. That doesn't mean repent and be saved. It means repent because God has saved you and served the Lord and enjoy the blessing. Turn aside from the world. Turn aside from sin and Satan whom He hath destroyed, whom He hath broken to pieces and follow the Lord and share in the blessings of God in a deeper sense. He shall come down like rain upon the mown grass. You cut the grass, it rains and it sprouts back up again. As showers that water the earth, in His days shall the righteous flourish. We went to Isaiah and talked where God said, and I will pour waters upon the dry ground. We're the planting of the Lord. God waters us. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, I believe, 3, one plants the seed in preaching. One waters the seed by preaching. That's the work of the ministry to preach and teach the children of God. But God giveth the increase. Give the glory to God. It's not the ministry. They're poor, sinful men 
who strive to preach the glory of Jesus Christ while they walk and live in this sinful body. Give the glory to God and Christ who is without sin, but took our sin upon Himself when His body became sin. When He was nailed to the cross and laid down His life and raised it up again. He shall come down like rain upon the mown grass, cut grass, and showers that water the earth. In His days, we are in His days. Eventually, we're going to get to the 118th Psalm. It talks about the day of the Lord. We are in the day of the Lord. People look for the latter days. We are in the latter days. This is the day of Christ. This is the church of Christ. And it will be here until He ends this world when He appears in His glory and the earth and heaven will fade away before His glory. In His days shall the righteous flourish, the children of God, the elect of God shall flourish, those in the church shall flourish. Didn't say we'd flourish monetarily. Didn't say we'd flourish in fancy buildings. And I have nothing against a fancy building. I've seen some newer churches been built in the last 15 years that are beautiful buildings. I have no problem making the house of God as beautiful as we can make it. I have no problem with that. But this is talking about flourishing in godliness. Flourishing in the Spirit of God. Flourishing in the knowledge of Christ. Walking with Christ. Magnifying Christ. Manifesting Christ in the finished work of Christ in our body as we live in this dark, sinful world giving glory to the King of glory who humbled Himself down to the hand of death and laid His life down for us only in the death of the cross. He saved us. We flourish in that. We pour our hearts out in praise, Abba Father, as we strive in fighting Satan to present our bodies a living sacrifice unto Him. I hear people say, present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's what the Bible says. As if it's easy. It's hard to walk in this body of sin and present this body as a sacrifice to God. We cannot do it alone. Satan attacks us. Satan strives to cause us great sorrow. But Paul said, I can do all things. That means all things God wills. All things godly in Christ which strengtheneth me. And we will flourish as long as the moon endures. He shall have dominion from sea to sea and from the river unto the ends of the earth. That's the Gentiles. Sea to sea. Four corners of the earth. Every elect child of God among the Gentiles. Among the nations. And from the river. That's the river Euphrates, which is on the east side of Eden. The light is on the east side. The light comes up in nature in the east and goes to the west. Christ is the light of God. People ask me, why do you say Christ shall appear in the eastern sky? Because the light comes from the east. God reveals that to us in nature. He will have dominion amongst all Gentiles from the river Euphrates unto the ends of the earth. 
God's elect among the Gentiles. They that dwell in the wilderness shall bow before Him and His enemies shall lick the dust. Made this statement last week. All shall bow before Him. All. The elect and the non-elect. Isaiah 45 This is speaking of the children of God, but I'm going to read it to you quickly. We've got time. We're starting in the new part of the text. Assemble yourselves in this verse 20. And come, this is the church, draw near together, ye that are escaped of the nations, you who have escaped from the idolatry of the Gentiles, from where you were scattered when I scattered you because of your sin. God is our help. They have no knowledge that set up the wood of their graven image and pray unto a God that cannot save. These Gentiles among whom you dwell have no knowledge of God. Remember Ephesians? They were apart from God. They were far off from God. They were without God in the world. They worshipped things that they built and they made out of wood and overlaid with gold. They had no knowledge of God. They pray unto a God that cannot save. He said, tell you. What's that? Tell you. What's he prophesying of? Preach the gospel. Because God is going to draw His elect from the four corners of the world, from the nations, from the Gentiles. Tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord, Him alone. And there is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. That is a temporal saving. That is a temporal saving. We're saved in God giving Him, giving us the Spirit of God and the sacrifice of Christ. This is a temporal saving of the church in the world looking unto Christ and following Him. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth for I am God and there is none else. Now here's what I wanted to get to. I have sworn by myself the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return that unto me every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall swear. Surely shall one say in the Lord of our righteousness and strength where? In the Lord. Even to Him shall men come. If I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto Me. He draws all the children of God unto Him. Surely shall one say, The Lord have a righteous strength. Even to Him shall men come. And all that are incensed against Him, against him shall be ashamed. And the Lord shall all the seed of Israel, spiritual seed, not the nation, be justified and shall glory. Go to Philippians. And let's find Paul speaking of that text in chapter 2. And we will find... I'll just start in the middle. Speaking of Christ, wherefore God also hath highly exalted Him, the man, flesh and blood, Jesus Christ, where is He exalted to? The right hand of the majesty on high, and given Him a name which is above every name, that is the name of Jesus our Savior. Every knee should bow of things in heaven, things dead and gone, things that have never left heaven, things created in heaven, people here that have died and their souls are now in heaven. They bow to Him. Does that not give us hope? Does that not give us hope the knowledge that our brethren who love the Lord are now there in heaven in a mortal glory, bowing before, worshiping, submitting themselves unto the Lamb of God, the King of kings? 
and things in earth, those that are here, the righteous whom are quickened and given life of God and a knowledge of God, especially in the assembly of the saints, bow before Him. That means they worship Him. Many people worship the Lord and don't even know the fullness of whom they worship or why. You think about that. But God reveals it to us. And things under the earth, that is the dead who are dead and buried, many of them, all that are God's, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I'll tell you this. Every knee shall bow on the last day when the Lord of glory appears in the sky, when the Son of Man appears in His glory. Satan shall bow, confessing that Christ is the Son of God and God in His flesh. All of the devils, all of the angels who rebelled and left their first estate, their first habitation, who rebelled against God, will bow before the living Son of God. Every man left in his state of Adam's nature will bow before the Son of God in terror. And every elect child of God that God chose, that God gave to the Son, that the Son died for, whether Jew or Gentile, shall bow in an adoration of Christ in His glory, out of thankfulness and humbleness for His love and His grace and His mercy upon us and for being delivered into the eternal, immortal kingdom of God above. The kings of Tarshish and of the Isle shall bring presents, said this last week. Tarshish represents the sea, coastal city. And of the Isle shall bring presents. And I mentioned this last week, Matthew 2. Those who came from the east bearing gifts unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Gold, frankincense, myrrh. This represents Gentiles. Tarshish, a coastal city, an island. And the isle shall bring presents, bringing presents to Christ. Genesis 10, the seed of Japheth. By these were the isles of the Gentiles divided. The isles, God's elect, of the Gentiles in the sea will bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba shall offer gifts. Holy, well, you're holy. This is representing you. Holy, powerful, well-known kings of power and authority. Well, how in the world does that represent my sinful being? Because God hath made you kings and priests unto Him, and you are well-known, and you stand in the power of His Christ. Yea, all kings shall fall down before Him. We talk about being kings and priests because we're, made, we're priests because we're enabled and caused by the Holy Spirit to worship the Lamb. That's what a priest does is worship. 
and we're called kings once again because we live and reign over sin and death in this world in Christ. They all kings shall fall down before Him. The kings of the earth shall fall down before Him, both the righteous and the evil. I mentioned Hitler last week. He'll both fall before Him. All nations, Gentiles, shall serve Him. For He, Christ, shall deliver the needy when He cries. When we cry out, when we cry out to God in Christ, when we pray, sometimes you pray, you don't even know what to pray for. You get in the bed, you lay down, you start to try to pray, and all you can do is groan. Groans and utterings. But by the Spirit, Abba Father, save Father, that is the cry of a slave. Save me, Father. We were enslaved to the law. Enslaved to sin and death. Abba, Father, save Father. He has saved us. We pray to God. We're needy. And our prayers are accepted in one way only. In the sacrifice of the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. For He shall deliver the needy when He crieth. The poor also, those that are poor in spirit. And him that hath no helper. There's no one to help. said in one place, when he was taken, when Judas betrayed him with a kiss, they all forsook him and fled. He was alone. He says in another place, there was none to help. Mine own arm representing power. That arm is Christ, the power of God. And that's how we're saved. We have no helper but our Lord. We need no helper but our Lord. He shall spare the poor and needy and shall save the souls of the needy. He spares us from temptation. He spares us from sorrow and heartache and sin and trial and tribulation. He saves the souls of the needy. Certainly Christ finished the salvation of eternity. Upon the cross it is finished and He bowed His head and gave up the ghost. But there is a saving here which is temporal where He walks with us daily and He saves our souls daily. One of the last few verses in James, James tells us that he that correcteth, this not verbatim, the sinner from the error of his ways has saved a soul from death. I can't save you from hell in that second death. You cannot save me from hell in that second death. So that cannot possibly be talking about heaven and immortal glory. Rightly divide the word of truth. The death we're being saved from is being saved from the error of walking in our ways, possibly being out of the church and and walking in the darkness alone with the feeling, for God would never leave us nor forsake us, but with the feeling that we are alone, that we're in total desolation, and realizing that we have no help and we've forsaken our Lord, feeling alone. 
in this dark world. He shall save the souls of the needy. He shall redeem their soul from deceit and violence. Did not say He will keep them from deceit and violence. Many children of God walk in deceit outside any religious order. Many of God's children in religious orders of man, Ephesians, the winds of doctrine that float through the air, denying that salvation is totally, totally in the blood of Christ and totally for His glory. God does not need us to save souls to heaven. That's done in Christ. That glory belongs to Christ and Him alone. It says He'll redeem our soul from deceit. He'll buy us. He purchases us. Redeem means to purchase, to buy back. He'll bring us back to God from all this deceit. Everything we should have seen in the book of Revelation was highly about deception and antichrist. He redeems us from that. He brings us back to God. And violence. And violence. Surely if we read history and see the persecution of the first century church and how Satan afflicted them and how Satan killed them, we can see that those that God hath died for who are now with Christ and lived and died in that day, and it's no different this day, they're bought back from that violence. They're redeemed from it. It may be in death its very self. And if you want to see one who's been deceived and redeemed at the same time from deceit, at the same time that He was redeemed from violence, look at the thief on the cross. Male factor criminal guilty of death nailed to a cross at the right hand of our Savior at the point of death after being deceived his whole life. There wasn't a preacher. There wasn't a Sunday school. There was the Lord Jesus Christ gave him life and told him, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. There is a redemption from deceit. He was made to see the Lord as all children of God are before they leave this world. And He was redeemed from the death. That day was the Christ in paradise. And I love this next one. And precious shall be their blood in His sight. Precious shall be their blood. All the way back to Genesis, we find a man by the name of Abel. As far as the Bible teaches us, we only know of four people in the world at that time. does not say they didn't have brothers and sisters already born, I don't believe. We know there were later other descendants of Adam as in siblings and brothers and sisters, rather not siblings to Adam, but siblings to Cain and Abel. <clears throat> but my point is, as far as we know, when there was four people in the world, there was a murder, there was a death. The wicked Cain slew the righteous Abel. And the Lord said, the voice 
of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Abel's blood was precious in the sight of the Lord. He was a keeper of sheep. He was a shepherd. Pointing to the anti-type Christ who is the good shepherd and the keeper of the sheep. Every child of God who has ever laid his life down, everyone that's been abused, raped, murdered, killed, and all the violence of this evil, sinful world, you think that's something new? Go read the sixth chapter of Genesis. Satan has always, since rebellion, sought to destroy God's people and God's kingdom. He will not stop until he's cast into the lake of fire. He cannot succeed eternally. But their blood is precious in his sight. Now that brings us up to Hebrews, where we find the blood. <laughs> That's more, speaketh better things than that of Abel. Abel cried blood, cried out for vengeance. <laughs> and God is the judge and He's the avenger. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. That's something hard for me to let go in my nature, but it's God's vengeance stand down. But the blood of Christ speaks redemption. He shall redeem their soul from deceit and violence. And precious shall be their blood in His sight. There's not a sparrow that falls the Lord doesn't see and know. There's not a hair on your head that is not numbered. Certainly, certainly, God sees and God knows. And I'll go farther than that. God foreknew and suffered to be all this violence, and He sees the blood of every one of His children, and it is precious. It is precious in His sight. As much as men love their wives, I'm not a woman, so I can't speak from the woman's side, and I'm going to try to. learned it a long time ago. Two different creatures being the same mankind. But as much as a man loves his wife, we fight wars for our wives and families. World wars to protect our wife and family. As much as a man loves his wife, we are the bride of Christ. How much more does God love us? He precious shall be their blood. In His sight, Christ. And He shall live, Christ. And so do we in Christ. Christ died, laid His life down, raised it up, and liveth forever. Jesus said, He that believeth in Me shall never die. We, we will die the death of the body, but the soul is with Christ. We will never die the second death, which is dead from God or dead to God again. And when our body lays down, our soul is with Christ immediately. And he shall live, and to him shall be given the gold of Sheba, and prayer also shall be made for him continually. Okay, the gold of Sheba is comparing to the Gospel and the knowledge of Christ in the church. 
the knowledge of Christ, the wisdom of God, the Word of God, more precious than gold. More precious. And in this day and age, certainly more rare than gold. But yet we have it because God is pleased to give it. Let us praise the Lord. And he shall live, and to him shall be given of the gold of Sheba. Prayer also shall be made for him. And regarding to Christ, that's the glory of God on the man. Prayer on the man, Jesus Christ. Prayer also shall be made for him continually. Two aspects to that, if I can grab them both, the Lord will help me. Prayer made for him. We pray for the cause of Christ. Every single day, almost every single time I pray, I pray for Zion. I pray for the church. Every minister I know is the same way. I do believe that every child of God prays for the church. Prayer shall be made for Him continually. As far as this pertaining to Christ and us, He's at the right hand of the Majesty on high where He forever maketh intercession for the saints. He prays for us. Why would the Son of God have to pray? Man, the man, the man in the body, Jesus Christ, prays to the Father. He told Peter, I prayed for thee. He intercedes for us. And daily shall He, Christ, be praised every day, every time we pray, every time we cry out, every time we look at Him, every time we realize that our only hope is in Christ. When we realize, sometimes we think we're in desperation and low down in sorrow and we cry to God and in that action God is praised because... When we realize that our only hope is in God, it brings praise to God who came to this world and lived and died for us. There should be a handful of corn in the earth. Okay. I'm going to give you two thoughts on this, and they both go together. If I can remember both of them, John 12... Well, I got eleven and thirteen. There's twelve in the middle. I'll start in verse twenty-three. Jesus answered them, saying, "The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified." This proves to us this was not an accident. This was not where they took power over him. This is when God ordained that His Son. It was pre-established, pre-stated. Amen, amen. Before the foundation of the world, the Son of Man would be glorified. How? was He glorified in the death of the cross and the saving of His people. When God Himself bore a body and paid our sin debt, yes, He says, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall in the ground and die, abide for long. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. A corn of wheat, a handful of corn. You think about in relation with the Lord. The corn of wheat. The one wheat. The one corn who laid His life down. 
was placed in the tomb. But when He came forth, brought forth much fruit, every child of God, most of whom are not manifested to us and we do not even know or realize they are. And then the church, and which is manifested to sons of God praising Him. But the point is the corn of wheat fell into the ground and died. It did not abide long. It came forth. It brought forth much fruit, life to every child of God. Remember John 6? I'm not going there. I'm not have time. Except you eat of my body and drink of my blood. You have no life in you if you don't. What's he saying? We live on the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. What is communion? We show the Lord's death till He comes. We feast on the manna from on high as did the, Egyptian, uh, the Israelites in the wilderness. The body of Christ feeds us. We learn of His sacrifice. We learn of the sufferings of His body. We learn that God was made flesh and suffered and bled and died for us and shed His blood. Because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. It was not my blood or your blood. It was His. It was not my body or your body. It was His. It was not the suffering I deserve or we deserve because He bore it for us. A handful of corn. The Jews regarded the man as a little man. His work would come to nothing. Just a little handful of corn. <laughs> but this is the Lord of glory. There shall be a handful of corn in the earth. It's here. Praise God. We have this knowledge in the preaching of the Gospel. It's in the earth upon the top of the mountains. Once again, Zion, the church, the kingdom of God. The fruit thereof shall shake like Lebanon. This pertains or reflects to a field of wheat that's ripe and ready to be picked and the wind blowing through it and the noise that it makes. The church makes a noise. There's noise coming from the temple. Isaiah 66, I believe, a noise was heard in the temple. And they of the city, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the foundation of God's peace, shall flourish like grass of the earth. You see spring come, you see the grass grow. The rain comes representing God's Spirit. The grass grows. God's people are like that. They're touched by the Spirit of God and they flourish. They grow. Not in height or stature or wealth. They grow in knowledge. They grow in godliness. They grow in peace. They grow in the eyes of the Lord serving the Lord Savior as they fight against sin and Satan reigning over it by Christ. As they strive to turn aside from their nature and the things of the world even though they fight, even though they fall, even though many times they lose but God picks them up and they grow in the sight of the Lord and they're Flourish. The name of the Lord. Give you something else. 
like the grass, they flourish. Grass begins growing in spring, grows in summer, comes on around to fall, you get to where you don't have to cut it for a couple of months. Because sometimes it's a time of dormancy. Relate that. There's a time for every purpose. It's time for everything under the sun. Sometimes the church of God flourishes in growth. In many ways that God blesses. Giving glory to Christ because that's what it's all about. And we rejoice because we can see Zion abounding. And many times, like the grass in the winter, Sometimes it appears like we're dead. We may lay dormant. Numbers may dwindle. Let me have you understand this wholly, fully. In the times where it looks like we're about to die. In the times where it appears that we're about to die or even dead already. God will bring about a refreshing. In these times of dormancy, or so it appears, God is glorified so very much in the way that He keeps in His hand in this kingdom the remnant, the few who stand in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation who know not God, who in fact appear to hate God and rebel against God. How much is God glorified when this small remnant of light stands in the darkness of all the world? God is a God of purpose. And God works His purpose. There will be a time of refreshing We are guaranteed. Take it to the bank, put it in your pipe, and smoke it. The church will be here till the Lord returns. Somewhere. His name shall endure forever. That's the name of Christ. It will never end. His, His name shall be continued as long as the sun. This is preaching of the gospel. And men shall be blessed in Him. Men are blessed in the preaching of the gospel. Do not dare give that credit to a man standing up here trying to teach you in his sinful body about the Lord. It belongs to the Lord Christ. It's His ministry. He preaches it. It's He enables us. He calls us just as He calls you. And He gives you the ability to hear and worship and feel and love and have peace. And men shall be blessed in Him. All nations, Gentiles, God's elect among the Gentiles shall call Him Christ. Blessed. Blessed the Father. Blessed be the Lord God, Christ, the God of Israel, Christ, who only doeth wondrous things. Christ, all things are created by Him in heaven and earth. Okay? The church is created by Him. Your new creature is created by Him. You'll stand in heaven in immortal glory with a resurrected or changed body. If you're alive when the Lord returns, it'll be changed. If you're resurrected, it'll be resurrected by Him. He's the power of God. He only doeth wondrous things. 
The church does not need another helper. And blessed be His glorious name forever. This is what we cry. And let the whole earth be filled with His glory. Very quickly, because I'm out of time. The sun coming up, going down, the moon, the stars, the sun, all that shines. The glory of God. Every born again child of God walking through this world trying to serve God, whether they're in the church or not, but especially in the church, glorify God. The whole earth is full of His glory. Wish I would take some more time there, but I'm out. Blessed be His glorious name forever and let the whole earth be filled with His glory. Amen and Amen. Now those many people say that's where the psalm ended. Some say this next verse, is a uh, little short sentence, is going to be at the time Solomon was anointed king about the time that David was to die. They say it was added. Some people say that David wrote these and put them in order and this was originally the last psalm, psalm but it was put here. I think the Jews have five books of psalms or But I see it this way. And I believe this is more scriptural. We don't look for what men say and think. We look for the Scripture. We know the Holy Spirit inspired the Holy Ghost. Whether David put this here or Solomon, or whoever put it here, let me say it that way, the Holy Spirit penned the Scripture, so God put it here. That's the way I see it. The entire Bible, whether it's Hebrew, Greek, or King James, Inspired of God. Period. Every jot and tittle. Period. Every text. Period. But it says the prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. I think what David is relating here as he was before Christ, a prophet prophesying of Christ who would come that when these things have come to pass, the work of Christ will be finished in the church here He established.